Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spate. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together. We pray your blessings upon us as we navigate through the Word. We pray you help us to have understanding and wisdom. And help us, Father, have the courage to apply the things that we learn to our own lives. Father, bless our audience as they listen, as they pay attention, as they navigate through it as well with us. And help them, Father, to... Uh, uh, to see the things that they need to see. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter uh, 33, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. I know we went a little bit farther than that in the last class, but I want to, I want to go back to verse 14, talk about something for a little bit. Okay. Um, would you say that the current, the current state of affairs in the United States of America is peaceful, tranquil, um, refreshing and healthy. No, I think it's just the opposite. Okay. And, you know, I've got, when we do our, uh, our uh, fruits of the spirit, mind is on peace. And one of the things I've been thinking about is the utter chaos that we face right now in our society. The, it's, it's a chaotic place. It's a, it's the opposite of peace. It's warfare in many, in many places in our society, it's warfare. That's not peaceful at all. That's not restful at all. That's not, uh, that's not uh, conducive to to happiness, and it uh, and it causes people. I think the divorce rate is up, the suicide rate is up, uh, drug use is up, alcoholism's up, everything's up because because there's no tranquility. It's all chaos, and and I'm not talking about I'm talking about even places where there is no no uh, no upheaval going on. There's just no you know what you what people are looking for. To find a, a peaceful place in their life doesn't give it to them, and they're figuring that out. What do you mean? Well, they're figuring out that having wait a whole lot of money doesn't really uh, doesn't really give you that peace of mind. It doesn't really give you that that hope because with that with with more money comes more issues. Mm. Okay, there's always more issues with more money. There's there's more. You have more stuff. You have more issues. There's more insurance to pay. There's more fear that somebody's gonna come in and try to steal it. You know. So there's not now you have to take countermeasures to keep that. So it's it's an ongoing, ongoing, ongoing thing. So the more you have, it not necessarily makes it. And then and then something happens. You know and and. You, you've got all this money or whatever, and, and or you're banking on your health, or you're banking on your stuff. Or I'm, I've worked on cars for 50 years. I know how fast they can quit. You know, they can quit, drop a hat. You know, you think everything's good, then all of a sudden, poof, it's over, and it, 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 they, they just quit. And, uh, 
you know, fuel pumps can go down, computers can go down, chips can go down, you know, a key fob can go down. I mean, all kinds of things, you know, uh, the, the interaction between a, between a computer on the steering column and the, and the key can, can break contact and equip and you, and it's done sitting on the side of the road. You know, that's how fast. And, and that takes away from that, that tranquil mindset, knowing all this stuff is, is, uh, is out there. The only thing that gives it to us is a, is a peace of mind that comes from Christ. That's all it gives it to so us. what you're saying is, even though our current state of affairs in this country is rather chaotic, is rather uh, uh, is not intuitive towards tranquility or peacefulness or anything like that. What it sounds like to me like what you're saying is there never really was any peace there anyway. There well, was never any. Peace we thought the there either. was. We were we 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 had gotten to a into a state of consciousness where we where we had made peace out of what was going on around us. You know, you can you can make a peaceful you can get a peaceful mindset in a, in a sinful situation. Mm. You know, I'm doing good. You can you can explain it away. You can explain away drug use and say, well, I, I only take these for my pain in my back. You know, it doesn't matter that I take five of them a day and the doctor prescribed one. And now and I, that's jumped from five from three a day two months ago. Now I'm taking five a day to give me the same measure. of. Well, you can convince yourself that it, that you're in a good state. You know, most of us that did drugs at some point, we convinced ourselves there wasn't anything wrong with it. We were fine. Everything was okay. Hmm. You know, so even though it was against the law. So it sounds to me like, it sounds to me like it would be a lot of, it sounds to me like y you do a little bit of work here to convince yourself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you, there's some mental gymnastics going yeah, absolutely. on. Absolutely. To, so... Would you say then that it's a fundamental need, like we have a fundamental need to be at peace and to be at rest? Well, I think God built that into us. What do you mean? Well, I think, you know, he, when, he, when he breathed into us his, his own life, God is the author of peace, not chaos. Hmm. He's not an author of warfare. He does use warfare. He does use, he does use chaos to get his job done. But that's not who he is. He is a God of peace and harmony and tranquility. And so he bred that in us. I think we have an innate need and desire. But, but when you put sin in the middle, middle of it and you try to justify sin, you can make yourself feel in a restful place. You're not in a restful place. Hmm. You're, you're, you're only, you're only in, on, the, on the ripple edges of the tsunami just waiting for the big wave to come. It's hmm. going to come at some point. It may not be till the end. You may be very fortunate and it not come till the end of life. But the tsunami will come. You know, the, you know, we're, we're trying to convince ourselves that we're, we're in a good place, peaceful. And all the time, you know, you know, I mean, I can only relate to my past experience in my life. You know, <laughs> I mean, I thought my life was pretty good, man. I, I thought, man, I'm going clipping along really well and everything's going well. And, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm doing what, what most red blooded American men do. And, you know, you know, the heck with the rest of you. And, and, uh, and, you know, wife says, I'm not happy. You mean you're not happy? I'm not happy. And if things don't change, I'm not going to be in this in this predicament for much longer. I'm going. What are you talking about? Man, no clue. Because I'd convinced myself that everything was fine. Everything was in a restful. You were large state. and in charge. I was and, in charge, man. And you were making sure that it was had, all going to work I out. I had the tiger by the tail, and we were we were skateboarding down a hill, man. And and there was nothing at the bottom of the hill. I mean, you know, we we used to ride ten speed bikes. Right, and our our mission was to see how fast we could get them to go, and how smooth we could get this, how long we could make this tire spin without stopping. And we had a hill behind our house that went; it was it was probably a thirty degree drop, 
And at the end was another street that went like this and had a, it had a, a, a light there. And we get at the top and see how fast we could go and hit that light. Red, green, didn't matter. We were hit that light. And I've hit that light before at 40 miles an hour. Went to that, you know, and it was a little bump. And it would go up, you'd go up like this. And if there had been a car coming, man, we were 10 foot tall and bulletproof. We'd convinced ourselves that we were in charge and large. And nothing could stop us. How hard is it to shake somebody from this uh, this delusion? This <laughs> it delusion? is a delusion. That's a good work. It isn't a delusion. <laughs> I mean, you know, you look at this, and and these people, these people are they're on it like this. They're on a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. You know, they they have some really good points, and they got they come crashing down. And I think, uh, I think, uh, your question is, what do we do to unravel them from that? Well, what, what can be done? Like, how hard is it? How difficult is it? Show and, them show them a, a life in true peacefulness that is not bound up and not bent by the chaos of, of, uh, of uh, drug addiction and alcoholism and promiscuity and sinfulness at large. Let them see what it's supposed to look like. And, and not all of them, but some of them will say, I don't know what you've got, but I want what you've got. Now, you may not have any, maybe one in a lifetime that says that, but people look at you and they say, you know what, something different about him. And I want what he, because, because that truly, I'm trying to make peace in my life. I'm trying to put a restful place, but he looks like it, it's working. And you don't see all the chaos in his life or her life, whatever it is. Right. And I think that's how you do it. I think you do it by example, the biggest part. You can, you can talk to people all day long about this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and it doesn't, it doesn't help them a bit, not a bit. You, that wasn't going to help me, man. It, it almost sounds like there has to be a, a point where somebody comes to it and says, I want what you have, mm -hmm. and I'm willing to, I'm willing to get there. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think if, uh, let's put it this way, you have a visitor come to church, okay, and they see you, and they hear you talk, and then they see you at, at an Exxon, doing something stupid, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you if they see you all through the thing and they see you different places in the, in the, in the week and you're always the same, it gives way more credibility to what you're saying than if they see you in chaos sometimes. So I think it's really important how we live our lives, how we interact with people, how we, what we portray to them, because we never know when God's going to put one of those in our life that's looking for someone that they can say, I want to be like that. Well, and ultimately, God is responsible. Absolutely. God is responsible for the rest. Absolutely. God is responsible for the peace, right? Because the person you're talking about has dedicated themselves mm -hmm. to following mm -hmm. Christ, mm -hmm. right? And that's really what I want to look at here in Exodus chapter 33, uh, verse 14. So I know, we're, I know we moved past this a little bit. We talked about um, Moses a lot. We talked about him interceding Moses. I mean, we could do an mm -hmm. entire study mm -hmm. just on the intercessions of Moses during this time. But in 14, it's a it's really interesting statement. The Lord replied, right? So Moses is, we'll go back up to 12 real quick. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know uh, whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. So, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. This is in reference to what God has said, right? God has said that my presence isn't going to go with you anymore. I'm going to send an angel with you instead. So Moses is in a very unstable position now. He feels like, well, who, who actually is coming with me? I don't know. These people, you've told me to leave these people, but you've seen what these people do. You've seen where this goes. I think there's a, a level of Moses saying, 
I don't know if I want this gig. Yeah. You know, I don't know. He didn't want the gig at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now that he's experienced. But God is giving him some confidence being with him. Absolutely. He's been, he's been extremely confident that whatever he did, God was going to stand behind him and have his back. Right. He's Now he's experienced this. And I think to, I think to some degree, there's a little bit of a little bit of hesitation here on Moses' part going, if it ain't you, mm -hmm. you know, who had my back when confronting Pharaoh? You did. Who had, and I got to see mm -hmm. you have my back, right? Now yep. I'm going to face this situation where you might not be there. I don't know this angel. I don't necessarily trust this angel. I know you by name and you have found favor with me, he says. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with with you. This is Moses speaking mm -hmm. to God. He says, if, if, if you're pleased with me, if you're pleased with what I've done, teach me your ways. How important is that response? I mean, I, th I feel like this is like groundbreaking response. Moses isn't saying, hey, you're pleased with me, so I must be doing everything great. I must be okay. okay. I'm going to just keep going the way I'm going. Instead, he says, no, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. If you're pleased with me, I'm glad. But I want that more. How can I get that more? I got, uh, you know, you know, we have a mentor in our lives that mentors us, and that's what God is to Moses here. He's a mentor. He's a, he's got held him by the hand and guiding him through ups and downs, upheavals and 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 positive things. And now God says, "I'm not going to be here with you anymore. I'm mm -hmm. leaving." Yeah, the the for, from a human perspective, bottoms just dropped out. Well, yeah, because I remember what happened when my mentor, the person that taught me and baptized me and was teaching me every week, and I had a Bible study with, and I look forward to coming here at, at the very beginning just so I could see him and his family and know he was there. And all of a sudden now he tells me he sits me on a roof we're working on, and he says, "I want you to know," he says, "I'm moving. I'm moving to Van, Texas. Van, Texas, all we clear up to Dallas." I said, "It's not like I can go over your house in five minutes, you know." I said, "What do you mean?" You know, and I'm crushed, man. You know, and it, and it and it hurt me. I mean, it hurt. You know, it scared me because now what am I going to do? Right. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I, I needed I needed to, to know that this guy was going to be there to teach me. And fortunately, you know, he left pretty quick and he moved off pretty quick. And and fortunately, he had he had done enough to to help me. And he wasn't leaving me alone. I just didn't know that. That's how I felt. God's not going to leave Moses alone, but that's how he feels. God's not going to turn his back on him. He loves Moses. And he's chosen him for a job. Moses thinks he is, but that's not what's happening. He said, I'm going to send an angel with you. And don't you think God would send an angel that has more than is more than capable of doing what needs to be done in his life? You know, he says, my presence is going to be with you. You know, and but I but if you could pick, if you could if you could have a choice. Oh, between, absolutely. Between the messenger and God himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I had to turn to some other people. OK, and and uh, and I got called in by our preacher at the time called me in and said, are you okay? And I said, what do you mean? I said, well, are you okay? I mean, you you know, uh, this so-and-so is leaving and and, uh, and I know you've been close and I've only been a Christian a year, a year and a half. And I said, yeah, I think I'll be okay. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, this has been pretty tough. Well, I got through that one and then I was studying with, teaching with a guy in the jail and I taught with him for 10 years, 12 years. I don't know how long it's been. And, uh, and he moved. He got transferred and he moved. By then it was okay because I wasn't dependent on him anymore. Mm. I, I didn't. I didn't need him. You know, I, I was sad to see him go, and the friendship was gone. It was over. I mean, there wasn't any more after that. And then when our preacher, who had been here for twelve or fourteen years, left, you know, 
Okay, we moved on to somebody else. By then, I had a connection with God. You know, Moses is, needs to understand that God is not going to abandon him. God didn't abandon me. He didn't abandon you. He's not going to abandon us. You know, it may be different. Okay, it's going to be different. But he said, he said, Lord, my presence will be with you and I will give you rest. He said, my presence is going to be with you. You know, if I send someone, you know, how do I know that this angel he's going to send is not Jesus himself? Hmm. I don't know that. What if it is? Would God, God has spent a lot of time putting this plan way back here, guy. We've been talking about it. Yep. To put this plan into effect, Abraham, Isaac, you know, all these guys, he's put this plan into effect. And if he, and if he's going to take, if he's going to walk away from this now, he's not just walking away. God doesn't do that. No, he doesn't. And that's what I love about this, right? So Moses looks at God and says, I want more of you. And what does God say? My yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 How easy is it to get a hold of God? You know, in in, in the Areopagus in Acts chapter seventeen, Paul stood up, stood up, and now the Areopagus. If you don't know what that is, um, it's like a, it's like a giant auditorium meeting hall for all of the supposed greatest thinkers of Athens. Mm -hmm. That's where they would That's gather. That's where Paul goes in Acts chapter 17. That's right. They hear him teaching in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's a strange teaching. So they bring him up to the Areopagus, and all of the greatest minds of Athens are there, and they want to hear what this guy is saying, because that's what they were all about. They were all about ideas, right? The, the newest and the greatest ideas and how did things work and what do you think and what do you think? And that's what they love to do. So at, Paul stands up in Acts chapter 17 and says, God brought forward the nations from one man, right? This is one of the things he says. But the other thing he says is, God is not far from us. He spread out the nations, drew the boundaries of the nations so that they might seek and find him. That was the entire point. The entire point of God spreading out the nations, deciding their boundaries, deciding how long they would last, deciding where they were going to be. All of the, the whole point was so that they may seek God mm -hmm. and, that, and that he's not actually very far from us. And Moses shows us here how simple it really is. Mm -hmm. I like what, I, I like what happens. I like what happens here, not just here, but it, as we go on. I, I, I like what God tells him. He said, fine, I'll do this because I know you. I know your name. You know, that, that's, that's pretty telling, you know, in, in our relationship with God to know that, that no matter how insignificant I may feel, no matter how insignificant the, this chaotic world may, may make me out seem to be, uh, because the world has a way of, of making us feel insignificant. It does. And, and that's part of the chaos. Well, I mean, it doesn't, I, I would say that the world doesn't just make us feel that way. It tells us that. Yeah, it tells us that. What is the teaching from the world? I mean, you get on, you you read, uh, you listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm -hmm. What's the meaning of life? It's it's meaningless. There yeah. isn't any. This is an accident. We, we are accidents living on an accident, circling an accident that was made, that was accidentally brought forth by who knows what. It, it takes a great deal of faith to believe that nonsense. I, you think, know, I, I mean, think it. I mean, you have to have weight to, I just, you know, some of the things that you can explain so simply by does God exist? Absolutely. And if he does exist, and I know who you're talking about, he's a, some kind of astrophysicist or something. Mm -hmm. He's on YouTube all the time. Yeah. Brilliant guy. Brilliant and, guy. But he believes that. But he's an idiot, but he's not brilliant. He's not brilliant when it comes to it because some of the simplest things, I've noticed that most people that are really, 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 really smart, they miss the simple stuff. They miss the simple stuff. 
-hmm. How simple could this be if it just came from a, a living, breathing God? It explains everything. It explains it all. He'll be surprised one day because I believe what I believe, and I believe it's real. And I believe what he teaches is not real. Well, I certainly don't believe we're an accident, but to the point that You're right, the but, world yeah. makes us feel insignificant, I would say that's the entire point. Mm -hmm. The entire point is to look at you and say, you have no purpose, you have no meaning. Uh, all this life is about is scrambling to get to what get, you can get. Get ahead, get better, be better than the next guy. How's that working out? <laughs> yeah. How's, how's it working, it working out, out? out? And see, you know, I, I teach in I teach at the, the state prison. I've gone there a couple of times. And I would say that, you know, that place is filled with people who believed that nonsense. Yeah. And they were willing to take someone's life. They were willing to hold somebody up at gunpoint. They were willing. They were willing to go to extremes to get what they want. One of the things that James Alderson and I, and that's the guy that left, who taught with me, James Alderson and I got to the point where we could teach, where I could feel, I could finish his sentences, he could finish mine. We 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 taught well together, and we used to tell him all the time. Said when you look in the mirror, think what you're look, what's looking back at you, and remember that God don't make junk. He never has. He never will. What God makes is important, and God made you. So the person looking back at you is valuable, has value to God. May not have value to people in your life. You may have taken that value away. Maybe you have by what you've done. But God still finds you valuable. He still finds you significant in the world today. Right. And that's why that's why here he says what he says to Moses. You know, I mean, he said, then Moses said to him, if your present does not go with, and he, and he talking about here, we'll go up with you, I will give you rest. I mean, I mean, you know, he's, he's going to take that chaotic, that that place where Moses is in his mind, mm -hmm. say, and calm it, and calm it down, and give him a sense of rest and sense of peace of mind. Didn't Jesus say that? Where was that in Matthew? Matthew chapter 11. And it's so important to grab onto this, right? He says in 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, mm -hmm. and I will give you rest. Who is the author of rest in our life? God. Well, but for most people? No, I know. I know what you're going to say. You know, I mean, I we just talked about, you know, I want what I want and I want it now. And I'm willing to, you know, this idea, this concept, this worldview that says, well, we're all just accidents. So I've got to hustle to get mine. Mm -hmm. There's no rest there. No. There's no peace no. there. No. There's nothing there. But yet no. that's where most people are living. Mm -hmm. They're living in a position. People that are watching us. Yeah. That's where they're living. Could be. Many of them, that's where they're living. They're, they're living in that place. They believe what the world told them. And the and the world's the world's whole focus is to is to turn you upside down to get what it can out of you. And that's not God's focus. God's focus is to lift you up and bless you. The enemy who's running the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All he's trying to do is destroy you all the time. Yeah. The enemy is wants to give you everything that you need to destroy yourself. That's mm -hmm. that's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing good that comes from the enemy. Mm -hmm. If the enemy can line it up. So you can have riches because the enemy knows that with riches comes your destruction. Then that's what he's going to do. He's not blessing you. He's not helping you. He's handing you a noose. And God, on the other hand, blesses us, gives us rest, stays present in our lives for just the opposite. Mm -hmm. to so that we will glorify him. And when we do that, when we do it the right way, I just talked to somebody the other day that, that uh, because I believe they're doing the right things, the man got a phone call while I was standing there. And he just and he got a and he got a two dollar an hour raise to up to an ungodly amount of money. Un ungodly amount of money is what how much money he's getting. And because 
he is he is being blessed by God, I believe, because Satan can't use his riches in the same way that he can't. Look at Job. God said, watch Job. And he said, I'll take everything away. Fine, take it all away. What does God do at the end? He loses his family. He loses his stuff. He loses all of his animals. He loses all of his money, everything. It's all gone. It's gone. And then God blessing me has double what he had before. Well, and look at and Job's, but Job's desire is the same as Moses's. Was to please God. I want more of you. Yeah. I, if it, I'm pleasing, it wasn't I about the stuff. Yeah, that's this guy was talking about. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about how can I bless God? How can I bless people with God's presence by what you've given me? That's not Satan's mindset. No. So when God says my presence will be with you, and I know people, I know somebody the other day that that told someone that if you need me, and he's talking about if you need a check for something specific, and I find out you didn't call me. You and I will talk. And it wasn't a little check. Okay. That's that's what happens with godly people. Right. They use their blessings to bless people and, and because it's in the return, it's a blessing and a glorification of God. That's right. That's and right. that's what people do. I know somebody that just that just got their social security and and uh, and it's and it's they're going to get a certain amount, and they've already said, I'm, "We're going to up our contribution this much every month. We're going to up our contribution." That's glorifying God by God blessing you, because God can take the same riches Satan can take and bless you with it, where Satan will use it to destroy you. And it doesn't matter, you know. It's not just riches; it's whatever you're putting in your life that you're pursuing that mm -hmm. you think other than God that gives you meaning. So it could be riches. It could be sex. Absolutely. It could be drugs. Absolutely. It could be success. Absolutely. It could be success. However you want to define that term. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad for in, in my family, we defined it as growing up, getting married and having kids. Yeah. That was success. You grow up, you get married, you have kids and you have a job and you support those kids. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? At some point, those kids move out. At some point, those kids leave. And now what's your point? Now what, what's success for you? you yeah. See what I'm saying? It, that's, without that's what, God in that's, it. That's why the divorce rate among people who are retirees is, is getting so great. It's getting bigger because, because they have nothing. The, their whole life was their kids and now they have nothing. There isn't anything If left God now. isn't the cornerstone of your relationship, your yeah. relationship is yeah. bound for destruction. It will just be destroyed. If not here, there. At some point, it will be destroyed, you know, and and I, I mean, I love this, you know, when he said, you know, that, that when Jesus says, I will mm -hmm. give you rest yeah, in Matthew yeah. chapter 11, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. You can't have that rest any other way. You can't have that rest by the things that we do because they can be taking, taken away from you in a moment. In a, in a moment, they can be taken away. You know, we've all seen it. Yeah. We've all seen how fast the stuff can go away. You know, I mean, your health, yeah. the money, yeah. the woman, yeah. you know, or a man, if, if you're, uh, you know, the wife to the right, your husband, Absolutely. all of these things can be taken away. Absolutely. If your rest, if your life, if your meaning isn't buried into God, Absolutely. into eternity. That's what he's, that's what he wants. He said, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with the, your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? He said, we need you with us. Well, this same thing works for us. What's going to distinguish us from all the rest of the people that's are right. the presence of God in our lives. That's right. It's simple. And, and, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Well, and, what does God tell me? And yet so many 
Christians have no joy. That's what I tried to tell them Sunday morning when I preached. Have no I said, peace. if you're going to have, if you're going to have a relationship with God and God's your life, then you are going to act different, and it's going to be different. It's going to be obvious to people. People are going to know. Why is it? Why is it that so many who are self-proclaimed or self-identify as Christians, right? Um, why is it that they lack? So many of them lack joy, peace, love, the fruit of the Spirit. Why is it that we lack that? We're, we're doing a summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. Why is it? You know, I, I was just listening, and I'm, I'm going to give the context for this question a little bit. I was just listening to uh, the scientist who is arguing um, for intelligent design. All of what they're now seeing, cutting-edge genetics, cutting-edge biology, mm -hmm. cutting-edge stuff, what they're seeing is that Darwin fails and that essentially within the within the dna structure what you're seeing is raw code mm -hmm. raw information mm -hmm. it's not it's it's digital code right mm -hmm. is essentially what's being argued mm -hmm. and so that type of coding doesn't just happen no. and computer programmers of course are all freaking out because they understand that they understand that there has to be mind there has to be intelligence behind that code it's yes. the the chances of this randomly falling into place it's like um, if, you, if you've ever seen the simpsons they have that thing where the monkeys are all sitting there typing out trying to type out the the books for mr burns and he picks up a piece of paper and he goes it was the best of times it was the burst of times oh it's worthless right <laughs> the the idea that these monkeys are going to be able to randomly type out a great work like Shakespeare or mm -hmm. anything else is just non-central. Yeah. They're finding out genetically and biologically it's the same thing and everyone's freaking out about it. This has been going on in the scientific community for a few years now. So when you have invested so much, let me back that up. So it all looks like Christians are right. It all looks like mm -hmm. it's unfolding that Christians were correct, that God really does exist, right? That that he's the one who created everything. Why is it that so many self-proclaimed Christians, as we're finding out more and more that this stuff is real, that this stuff is this this stuff is valid, mm -hmm. why is it that so many self-proclaimed Christians lack joy, lack peace, lack all of these things? The scientists pointed all this stuff out at this conference with atheists, how all of this information is indicating now that, that God is, exists, that God exists, that he, that intelligent design did create these things. And he's pointing this out at this atheistic conference, and this is what the atheists say, these scientists who are atheists. Their objection to Christianity and theism and God and all of these things doesn't have anything to do with the evidence and everything to do with Christians that they have met in their lives who have wronged or hurt them. And so... My question is, we're supposed to be a people of love. Why do we lack love? Well. Why do we lack these things? I think it's because because we buy into too, to too much of the world. What do you I mean? Think, I, I just think that we make, make the world too much a part of our lives. You know, it's very difficult to, my scripture reading Sunday morning was, uh, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick mm -hmm. up your cross and follow me. I think that's a very difficult thing to do alone. Mm. Okay, it's very difficult, and many people try to do it by themselves because we are people who have been designed from the beginning of this country that you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you lace your own boots up, and you go out and you make and you and you get things done alone. That's not the way Christianity works. There's no way we can do this alone. I can't. I have to have God present in my life. I have to have you in my life. I have to have my brother and sister. That's why it's like a family. Think of, think about it. How does the family work alone? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. can't work yeah. alone. Nope. It has to have each other. 
And so I, I need I need each other. And I think we bought into the principle that I that I can be this all by myself. No, you can't. I don't care if you're making fifty dollars an hour at a company. You still need the company to exist and make the fifty dollars. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, if you if you uh, uh, if you have this this connection to God, then people need to see it. And the only way that's going to happen is you have that connection with God. The only way you have it is because God's with you and other people have helped you get it. So you think a lot of Christians want it both ways? I think they a lot of Christians, no, I think a lot of Christians want to do it by themselves. No, hear me out. They want to stand in the world, but lay claim to the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, I think they want, I think they, they, they believe they can create their own Christianity. Uh. I think many of them believe they can create their own Christianity. We have them here. So, and I've said, and I've said before, I said there are people going to come to church on Sunday morning, and they're going to come to church every Sunday morning, and they're going to die and go to hell. So it's a it's an issue of, you know, Paul said you're a slave to whomever you follow. That's exactly right. And so we deceive ourselves thinking that we can kind of be in the world and kind of be in the church, and we'll just muddy along and it'll be okay. And what ends up happening is we bring dishonor to God. Because we're not we're not like Moses. We're what, not like what, Christ who we wants do, God. What we do is we bring distance between us and God. God can deal with the dishonor. It's the distance he doesn't like. He wants us connected. And then we we start going like this. What did he do? What did the prodigal son do? Yeah. And what did the father do? Say it on porch and wait for him to come home. Didn't go running after him. Didn't go chase him down. You know, but then again, it show, shows us in, in another one of those parables there that, that when you had one sheep that was gone, he went out and looked for it. So there are times when God will look for it and there are times when he won't. But when we create, start creating distance between us and God, it's because we don't know the book well enough. We don't pray enough. We don't, we don't communicate. I said that something. You'll view the church different when, you, well, when you're connected to God. And let's be specific, right? When this distance is created, it's, it's because this attitude does not exist. Yeah. In verse 13 in Exodus 33, if you are pleased with me, Right. If you're pleased with me, in other words, you're happy with what I'm doing. Okay, good. We're good. We walk yeah, away. Yeah. No, Moses says, teach me your ways. Mm -hmm. Help me to be a person that desires you, that, that pleases you more and more. What is the desire? And I think, and this was your sermon this past Sunday. Mm -hmm. What is your desire? What is, what is, is God the love of your life? Is he the desire of your life? Mm -hmm. Is he the one you are pursuing above everything? Is and everything he your else? life? Is he your life? And if he is, there's going to be certain things that will be different about you. Well, and you're going to have certain things. And you're not going to have an atheist saying, that guy wronged me. Because you won't wrong people because God is your life. He doesn't wrong people. He just doesn't. You'll take on his DNA traits, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the DNA that, that he put inside of us, the spiritual DNA. And we all have it. He, he, that's why, you know, my three boys all have DNA of George and I running through them. My whole family, my family is that DNA is running through my children and now my grandchildren. Yeah. So if you want rest, if you want peace, if you want the fruit of the Spirit, pursue God. Pursue God. Desire Him. And He says, I'll make sure in Proverbs 2, I'll make sure you find me. That's right. You can look. You look the right way and I'll make sure you find me. That's so right. if you're looking for Him, look for Him the right way. He'll make sure you find Him. Maybe this this program is the one one of those ways that He's trying to say, hey, here, the, here I am. Listen to these guys. I don't know. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be in a relationship with you, to know that your presence is with us and that you can give us rest. Jesus told us that, that he, he will bring us rest and he'll bring us peace. And we thank you, Father, because it is a unrestful, chaotic place that we live in. 
And we need your help. We need you uh, to go with us and to, and to fight for us and, and work with us. And Father, we want to glorify you in everything we do. Help us to do that, Father. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.